Welcome, everybody, to No Quit, a New York Rangers podcast. You're here with your hosts, Marty Montrofano and Alec Pappas. Well, Mike, uh, I know that you've been uh, busy doing your diligent research on uh, goings-on down in Hartford, and we've got uh, a lot of things to discuss in terms of you know, self-fulfilling prophecies, uh, injuries, salary cap, uh, Rangers perhaps hamstringing themselves in terms of the, the personnel moves that are available to them because of the cap. But, uh, I mean, I think we've got to start off with talking about their great opening night performance and the, uh, the electric atmosphere at the Garden. I mean, they were flying. They really were. Every, everybody was playing well. Jo- you know, guys like Jones, who thought they were expecting a lot of, performed admirably. Everybody was, you know, Panarin was on fire. I was, you know, I was worried about slow starts because he had had them last few years. It was not an issue, and it has not continued to be an issue. He's just looked, he's looked great, you know, on a power play at evens. You know, he's dancing around like a like a jitterbug. He he's looking great, but the, you know, the unfortunate thing to start the season was Vitaly Krasov only got three shifts in was done by seven minutes left in the first, you know, seven minutes into the first period. And his injury is unknown. He he went into the board, he went into the boards not hard. He was managed. Uh, Victor Hedman w- was holding him down to let the play pursue, but he, it's not like he was, like, trying to slam him through the ice. He was just holding him in place, and he snuck, he slunk off the ice like a, you know, like a dog had got whooped. Yeah, and and you you anticipated my question was this, you know, the mysterious upper body injury. We we don't know exactly what's wrong with him. We just know that, like you said, was was it the third shift you say, or or, or three minutes into his shift? In any event, his third his, shift. his season is uh is put on hold. We, you know, we knew that this was going to be an issue. We were talking about who was going to be in that spot and. Uh, I think it's given a great opportunity to Lafreniere, and he's really uh, and he's really shining. Yeah, no, he he stepped right in, and didn't miss a beat. Uh, with Kravtsov, you know, I mean, we'd said in the first podcast that nobody heard until probably t- after today. He's just a frail, you know, when you're that skinny, and then you get hit by a guy who's six six and two thirty. You st- you go down and you stay down and that's what you know that's what I was expecting and unfortunately it played out and then, but the other thing was was that even earlier in the game he got sprung on a breakaway and he turned it into a 50-50 puck and got knocked on his ass and and quite easily the, the you know that you can't he's got to be a bigger guy but the, you know but that's just taking away from the rest of the performance from everybody else Kreider had chances you know just bad puck luck. People are playing a little different. You know, we were expecting that, but but everything else is still there. Uh, Miko's on fire. The the defender defense defensive pairings were pretty were pretty good. Truba gets a little adventurous at times, but most of the times it's not a problem. They, but like overall performance, and then any when anything did go wrong, Igor just stood on his head, so we were fine. And yeah, I think my my uh, my. Uh prediction almost came true i had three to two with uh, truba getting a point and uh pretty close there so i feel good about that and and you know the, the energy in the garden was palpable and i i want to say that uh rangers fans have been known to have 
you know, early in the season, perhaps, you know, as, as should be expected, you're going to have high, high hopes, but Ranger fans have also been known to have unrealistic expectations. And I, I think we have, we really have a team that we can, uh, that we can get behind. It's, it's just like a lot of youth, a lot of energy, uh, but with a, a mix of some veteran leadership and, uh, and, you know, again, based this on, on one performance, I think, I think that bodes well. And I don't expect much of a letdown from last year. I was not able to watch the Minnesota game, but that boy, what a way to, what a way to just, you know, follow up uh, coming out of the gate strong with a performance like that. I, I believe, is that perhaps the most goals that Fleury has ever given up? Well, I mean, the guy's been playing 15 plus years. I think it's like eight or 18 plus plus years. So he's probably had another clunker here and there. But yeah, he got lit up. But the thing is that everything that went on the entire week was a continuation of just Monday night. Even though they lost 4 1 to the Jets, it was the same. You know, they were still playing the same way. The thing was, was that Winnipeg was like collapsing below the dots around the, you know, around the, the, the uh, Hellbuck. And Hellbug just stood on his head. Even when, I mean, because the, like, they started getting great chances, second period, parts of the third period, and I mean, great clear-cut chances. And he just was stoning them. And then they hey, again, this is late. That's just one game, but I mean, what do you think of uh, Hellbug as a possible Vezina uh, Trophy candidate? Forty saves, man! What a game! Yeah, but I don't care about the rest of the league. <laughs> that's right. Be, I, I forgot. I keep forgetting this is no quit in New York Rangers podcast. Yes, this is not the Winnipeg Jet, Jets breakdown. <laughs> the Air Canada Express, or I don't know. Well, you know, the thing is, the I thought that, you know, besides obviously it was it was a scoring festival, is that uh, you had young guys involved, and you had second and third guys line in, uh, involved, and so and, and you had five on five production. Um, and so, I mean, I think I, I I heard Gallant say that he was he was happy with the with the special teams play, uh, though I think it were, were two of those goals power play goals. Yeah, but I mean, but the thing is, like, yeah, all four lines are chipping in. The all all you know, even like the third line when they're mixing people up, they're, they're getting chances. And we even had a Ryan they, Reeves sighting. <laughs> Had a chance to. Yeah, and he's looked good. The, I mean, the skating in the preseason was a night, was, was horrific. And then he turned it on during the regular season, and the, skate, the skating looked a lot better. He can't do it for extended periods, but he can get that one burst without his legs catching on fire. So that you know, that's a, that's an improvement. I got to say, I have to thank the uh, the NHL Network. Uh, I was listening to the Winnipeg game, and then they gave us this on-the-fly coverage that basically showed like uh, some of the second period and, and all the third period. So got to watch it, and you know, the score doesn't really indicate how close the game was throughout most of the game. And, uh, and again, I know you don't like to talk about uh, other teams out there, but to me it was just another indication of, of, you know, looking at teams out there and saying, you know, the Rangers did what they needed to do to, to, to keep up with everybody, and I think everybody, a lot of teams around the league have, have, uh, have gotten better. Uh, and I think Winnipeg was one of the, an example of that, and they, you know, they've got their own interesting side stories there about uh, stripping people of captaincy, and so. But that was a good team that they were playing in a uh, in a raucous arena. Have you been to the the, the new Winnipeg arena? Yeah, I went um, the year before COVID kicked in. Froze my, froze my patoot off. I, I did the swing of Winnipeg. I did Manitoba and then Minneapolis or St. Paul, I should say. It was a it, it's a small building. It was 
colder than a banker's heart in there, you know, minus 15 or something like that outside. You couldn't walk, you couldn't walk down the street without like your ears falling off. But luckily it's such a small town that everything's like three blocks away from each other. Well, I, I, I think that, uh, so far, I think we have to be pleased with, uh, with, uh, how they performed again. It's early, but, uh, you know some of the things that we've been pointing out uh, have unfortunately been borne out in terms of the negative, in terms of the, uh, in terms of uh, juggling the forwards and now salary cap issues. Um, do you want to go into a little bit of details about that in terms of uh, <laughs> what flexibility, if any, or what wiggle room, if any at all, that the uh, that the Rangers have? Uh, there is none. They're they've got 183 grand and changed. Uh, cap space available so if somebody someone else were to get hurt they don't have the ability to call them up beyond an emergency call up but you know it would probably something like either Hayek would move up and play as a forward or Jones would play move up and play as a forward depending on what kind of matchups they want and here's the thing about uh high with the the defense and roster situations Hayek played for the first time on Friday night had one bad shift where he got turnstiled Rest of the night, he was pretty good. I was I was surprised because usually the thing I always had with him is that he was like a dog chasing a car and didn't know what to do when he caught up. But he's tempered that. He doesn't pursue above the dots anymore. He doesn't cross over to the other side of the ice like he shouldn't. Did it once uh, on Friday, but then he quickly got back to where he needed to be. And if he can continue to do that, you know, then we've got more options for that third pair and seventh D. And so we can have another injury, you know, in the forwards or in the in defense, and we'll be fine in the interim. But the problem is, is that by keeping guys like Reeves and Blaze on the, on the roster, wait, they should have waived them at the start of the period so they could still get assigned to Hartford if, they, if we needed the cap space. But, you know, once Blaze got hurt, then he can't be sent down. But then he also couldn't, you know, waivers is a tricky beast. So you're telling me the options are very limited. Are they going to have to be very creative if there are some more injuries farther down the road? They're just basically stuck with, like, emergency call-ups if they get below, you know, if you get below 18 skaters and two goalies, there's things in the CBA that allow you to call people off on an emergency basis. But the bigger thing is that they'll probably wind up having to trade people just to make room to bring people to bring people up. Does like if does this mean we can expect some sort of salary dump in the off season too? Then, well, it's more like if they really need to do something, it'll have to be like an in season salary dump where somebody like Blaze or or Reeves, because they're the two highest paid fourth liners in the league. You know, you'll have to move them out just to be able to take a minimum salary uh, thing in return, or actually nothing in return maybe a pick, a future, and then you're bringing up somebody like Gustav Rydall to fill that gap. But it's all, you know, you're just, all they're able to do is like pick nickels up in front of a steamroller. Moving moving out Carpenter to bring in Rydall does nothing for him. It's, you know, Blaze and Reeves are the guys that ha- would have to go to give you any sort of headroom to work with to cap bank, you know, to bank cap credits through the season. Right now, they're just up against it and if they're at 183 now, like we were saying, you know, they're going to have like 500, you know, they won't even have 500 grand available at the trade trade deadline. So people are going to have to move. 
at, at some point. Well, if you like, if you like, and if you trust Jury, which maybe I'm making that assumption. I do. I don't know if you do. I don't know how you feel so far. What do you? I mean, is this is this somehow? I mean, this isn't something that like kind of snuck up on you. So, do you consider this a uh, like a gamble? Uh, uh, and and what 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 could what could they have done other than the couple of you know steps that you that you uh, that you mentioned, which to me sort of is more like kind of like nibbling around the margins and doesn't actually address the the uh, the larger issue. Oh, it absolutely doesn't. Every it, I mean, what Drury did was a calculated risk, and it's and it's bid them. So you know, so now it's the the, the next step is now what. Well, I think I think this is a situation where the, the timetable, we're ahead of the timetable. People realize that what a, you know that that what a, there's a lot of talent on this team. There's a lot of opportunity, and the uh, and the division could be there for the taking. Again, uh, you know the little bit of stuff that I've gotten to watch on the other end. I still think that, uh, you know, the Carolina is the favorite in the in the division. But uh, you know what I will say as an aside that I, I was at the Capitals game last night, and I really feel good about the Rangers youth. Uh, I think that, uh, that, you know, the, the Caps handled the Canadians handily, but they, they, they kind of looked, they looked old. I don't want to say they looked old and, and the Caps are one of the oldest, the oldest teams, uh, in the league. But so I really, you know, we really, I really, sometimes you learn stuff about your own team from watching other teams and, and seeing how other teams out there look kind of old. You appreciate the, uh, the youth and energy that we have on the Rangers, but that was an aside. <laughs> So Alexi Protoss isn't the future for the Washington Caps. Uh, <laughs> to, to use an old uh, another uh, another Washington cliche, George. The future is now. Yeah, no, I don't think uh, it's not. Um, you know, then that's a team who they may have they may have missed their window, uh, or, or 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 they had their or they had their moment, but uh, but uh, you know. Yeah, they had their bites at the apple, but. You know, Hendrik Lundqvist stood in the way. Well, and that's, that's something that we can know that I that I remember fondly. And I will say that living in the D.C. area and being a uh, a Rangers fan, it was a it was a great rivalry. I, I felt like we were getting back from uh, from the, the the John Drews era. But uh, a little aside, thrown in a little a little local color in there. Um, what games are, are what what's what's next for you in terms of uh, games that you plan on uh, uh, attending in person, whether it be Rangers or even uh, or even Hartford? Uh, what are you going to get a chance to see in person soon? I don't know. Everything's up in the air. Um, I was supposed to fly back late Sunday to go to do the things with Anaheim, but I've got I've got issues that I have, you know personal issues that I have to deal with here um, all during the week and. Then I'm sticking around for ASU football this weekend, so I'm not gonna miss, I'm gonna miss uh, the home opener for Hartford. They lost both their games uh, down in Charlotte, one in overtime, and then the other one was just a straight through one loss. Deming with the had the 40 save uh, loss the first night, and then Garand did, did well. I can't remember what his shot totals were, but you know th- this team you know, from the games in Houndtown with the rookie squad. I thought they were going to have a hard time creating goals, and that looks like it's that's what it's going to play out to be. The um, I was about to say um, I'm really looking forward to uh, to uh, coming out there in a couple of weeks and uh, and seeing the Rangers in the Mullet Arena. Have the uh, have the Coy- have the Coyotes had a home uh, home game yet? 
No, they don't play until the 28th. Wow. Um, Opening open against Winnipeg and then Halloween Eve on mischief night against the Rangers. Um, I went to the I went to opening night against Colgate and you know at the end of the day it's college hockey it's not the NHL and so you have to dampen your expectations uh, to when you're going to see these guys and like Mike Sillinger's kid was there Shane Stone's kid was there there uh, Rob no. Scott Niedermeyer's kid is there as well. And, they, they, you know, they're the best players on the ice. But at the same time, it's like you're looking at them and saying, it's a long way before they're NHL ready. But it's a great building. It's like being in Chicago Stadium. You got a nice pitch where like, the rake of the seats. And so you're, like, right on top of the ice, even if you're in the last row of the building. It's a, it's great. I mean, it's a college barn but it's great. They got the one student section that's all standing, and apparently the NHL players are super pissed about that. But that's going to be a great experience. No, why? Why would, why would they be? Are people going to be able to spit on them? I don't understand why the why would, why are the players? Uh, they, they it's too much of a distraction to have a uh, to have that sort of atmosphere, old school or college style, where they're right on top of you. Uh, yeah, who, like, who knows these guys? I mean, I, I don't want to cast aspersions, but it's a, back in my day, they, we played at the Cow Palace and we liked it. We played in the Tampa Bay Fairgrounds in a rodeo arena and we liked it. <laughs> well, I just I got to tell you, it's something it's something that I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to. Uh, any uh, in terms of besides games, you're actually we're going to be able to actually see in person. Anything you've got uh, circled on the schedule coming up soon that you think is going to be a, a big test? Uh, any particular uh, you know? Uh, have you been looking at the road trips? What uh, is anything we need to circle on our Rangers calendar? Well, this week on Monday night we have Anaheim Mighty Ducks or the Anaheim Ducks at this point. Troy Terry's leading them in scoring. Zegris is somebody you're going to look out for. Mason McTavish is another guy that you're going to look at look out for, but they're also really leaking that bad defense. John Gibson is the better goaltender, and he's a sub 900 goalie. So you're not it's it'll be a firefight, but I think it's just going to be a one sided firefight. Thursday night we got San Jose Sharks, who are just the train wreck that they always are for the last couple of years. Carlson's leading the team in scoring with three points, but he's also a minus three, which is par for his career. Mario Ferraro with the New York kids looking good. Another guy minus three with three points. The goalies, you know, Reimer's pretty good so far, but small sample size. Then Sunday, they got the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have somehow gotten better, but yet are drastically worse. Johnny Goudreau's looking great. The defense is a train wreck, and that's not even including some of the guys at the bottom end of the roster, like Adam Boquist, who is just goose eggs across the board. Elvis is not Elvis is not good. Tarasov is not good. True. Well, once again, thank you for listening to No Quit, a New York Rangers podcast. On behalf of my co-host Alec Pappas, I want to thank everybody who's been listening, and uh, and we look forward to having some more Ranger insights for you in our next installment.